Hello and welcome to Athletic Therapy Now, a podcast for athletic therapists by an athletic therapist. My name is Ashley Burr and I will be your host. Thank you for joining us today. All right, and welcoming Nikki Smith. She's a certified athletic therapist, owner and founder of Revolution Rehab, which is a mixed therapy physical rehab clinic in Winnipeg. Nikki has been practicing athletic therapy since 2014 and created Revolution in late 2016 to support other rehab professionals. She has gone through the build of her clinic from the ground up, including concept design, construction, city permits, creating contracts, working with lawyers, hiring staff and contractors, and adapting and reworking the business structure to adapt to the changing landscape. She mentors students from both the University of Winnipeg and the University of Manitoba in, in athletic therapy and the business side of the industry. So she also offers a workshop called the business side of athletic therapy to help educate new therapists coming into this trade, which is exactly why I asked her to come on the podcast today. I thought this would be a good first podcast just to go over the business side of athletic therapy. It's such an important piece of our career and she's going to give us a little bit of information on that. So Nikki and I went to university together and after university, we studied for our um, certification exams for for uh, for quite a while, and that's where we became really good friends. And uh, since certifying, we have worked on a couple of different collaborative projects together. And Nikki and I both share a passion for pregnancy and the postnatal population. So, welcome, Nikki. Thank you for joining us today. And the first question I'm going to ask you is in one sentence, can you share your favorite thing about being an athletic therapist? Thank you. I've been thinking about this question and the the most honest answer that comes to mind is that we're the underdog. It's, It's the answer that comes to mind. We're the scrappy underdog. I love this profession. Good. Good. That's a that's an interesting answer. I was not expecting that. Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> I have all of my opinions and everything, but I think the fact that in AT land, as far as therapy goes, if you look at all of the professions, we are the underdog. We're the new player, the new kid on the block, and I think that it forces us to to really shine with our skill set, and I think that that is a really cool discipline to be a part of. I agree. I do agree. That's it's it's really interesting when you see, um, you know, new therapists and and therapists who have been around for a while are just really working on on shining. So, yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Uh, So getting into today's episode, which is about business and the athletic therapy side of business or the business side of athletic therapy. Our first question is, in your opinion, what should an athletic therapist include in their resume and cover letter? Yes, we get a lot of resumes coming into the clinic, which is fantastic. Um, I'm going to try to keep my answers fairly short and concise. So with the resumes, when you have a new therapist applying, they don't have a lot of practical experience in the field of athletic therapy. So I tend to end up with resumes with sometimes pages of their practicum experience and 
I've no, I know you've done practicum, so I find it's best as an owner or if you have a hiring manager, keep your practicum stuff. I know you're proud of it and that's great, but try to keep it, just do it point form. You don't have to list out the details of every field placement and every clinic placement. If you have worked and have genuine paid work experience in those places, then yes, list it like you would any other job, but keep your practicum stuff. I like to have it really point form, direct, straightforward. And then the thing I find people don't include, and I usually have to request it, is other work experience. It lets me know, did you go to work at the same time as university? Because that tells me a lot about your time management, theoretically. It also, I love to see other professions. So um, especially professions where you're interacting with people. So whether it's a server uh, working at, if you're working at Home Depot or some sort of other service industry, if you're working um, anything with customer communications or customer relations, it tells me a lot about your interpersonal skills. And I love seeing that kind of experience. And then the other one, for me, I also like to see, and a lot of people, I don't think are maybe proud of it as they could be, is a lot of the manual stuff. So a lot of people, if we get students fresh out of university, they are apprehensive to include that maybe they spent a summer doing landscaping. I love seeing that. It tells me that that potential worker coming in is, they're not afraid to get their hands dirty. So I think it's important to include some of that experience on your resume. Cover letter. Your cover letter is your handshake. It's your introduction. Um, I love it when people physically come in and drop them off, but emailing them is good too. For me, one of the biggest things in the cover letter I like to see, and this will, this sets you apart from anybody else usually applying to a clinic or if it's with field, tell me what you're bringing to my business. Tell me what you're going to do for me. Don't tell me what I'm going to do for you. I know that I'm going to help you gain experience. I know that I'm going to pay you to do it. So don't tell me you're applying at my business because you want to gain experience in the field of athletic therapy. Don't tell me that. I know that. Tell me what makes you, pardon me, but what makes you so damn special? If somebody applied that had the exact same experience as you, did all of the same work, did all of the same university stuff, got all the same grades, what are you as an individual bringing to the table that nobody else is? And why are you so special? How are you going to help me grow my business that I risked everything for? And if you put that in one or two sentences in a cover letter, you will definitely get the attention of that owner or that hiring manager for sure. Awesome. Thanks for that. So um, coming back to that resume, you're talking about keeping keeping things short, keeping things direct. Um, and I often, I mean, I don't, I don't do hiring, but I work on resumes with students and I'll often recommend like, here's your practicums in all of clinical and that's it, right? Like I know as an AT what my students have learned in university and I know what the bare minimum is for modalities. And so I'm always recommending that if there's something very specific about that, um, that placement that is different from everything else, but also applies to the clinic you're working in, then highlight that on your resume. 
to some extent. So I work in a clinic that has shockwave therapy. That's not in every clinic. So if somebody were applying and I saw that they had shockwave on their, their resume, that might be like a little bit of like, okay, I don't have to train them on this. Or if they're using JNAP, because that's something that we use in the clinic. Again, something that they don't have to work super, super hard on learning. They are easy things to learn. But would you recommend those differences that apply to the place you are um, applying in? Should those go on a resume? It's actually, so when, when I'm teaching my workshop, something I talk about in a little bit more detail is to creep on the business that you're applying to. If it's somewhere you really want to work, spend some time, look at their social media, see what they're interested in, um, and put things in your cover letter and resume that resonate resonate with that. So you're exactly right when you talk about Shockwave or when people apply and they say they work with Jane, it's like a huge weight is lifted off of me because we don't have to train them in Jane now. They're already fairly proficient in working with Jane. Um, another one I would say is it's good to creep on your clinics and your owner's social media if you can access it because it gives you a bit of an idea into who they are personally and I'll give you a quick example I was doing an interview years ago with a professional and we're multidisciplinary so it could be physio massage athletic therapy acupuncture whatever um, and they were very specific to say I don't think cupping works I think cupping is stupid I would never use cupping and immediately I'm thinking well, A, we're multidisciplinary, so we support all sorts of approaches. B, I do cupping, and it's listed under my modalities. So take your time and, and research the clinics that you're applying to. It doesn't take long. And then, just like you said, Ashley, if you can sprinkle in those little tidbits of, hey, this is the reason I'm going to be a little bit better, definitely do that. Make me want you, essentially. And that's what the resume does. And then I can go into detail during the interview and ask you about more questions about those things. Perfect. Thank you for, for adding that in. That's great. Uh, so kind of like when you're looking to creep people on social media, just for, you know, learning who they are, same kind of thing with the place you're working. You want to know where you're applying, uh, if you're a good fit. And, and, and I think we'll talk about that a little bit more today, about whether or not a certain clinic is a good fit, um, and how to figure that out. With, with that, I'm going to creep you just so you know. So if you're applying a lot of clinic owners and hiring managers now, they're gonna creep you too. So if you need to make your social media private because you don't think it's gonna reflect well, and basically if you wouldn't want a patient to see what's on there, don't let the hiring person see it either. So just be aware that everything you put out there, I can see as well and I will look. Which is a really, a really good point and maybe another topic for another day is, is the appearance <laughs> you're putting out there on social media and how that affects uh, clients coming in to see you. Because they do, they do search you on social media and Facebook and Instagram and, and Google search. Uh, it's, it's interesting the things that clients come in telling me about. <laughs> Pictures from yeah. years ago like, hey, you know this person. I saw it on Google. Well, why were you searching me on Google? Um, yeah. All right, we're gonna move on to the next question, Nikki. So what kinds of different working relationships are out there in clinics? And so what I'm referring to with this would be along the lines of 
Um, say I'm going to apply for a job tomorrow and I or I have an interview and I'm trying to decide between whether I want to be a self-employed contracted um, professional where I'm, I'm kind of my own my own business or if I want to be an employee of that business. What's the difference? What's the pros? What's the cons? <sighs> Such a loaded question. Okay. I think in, in therapy land, we learn about, I can be a contractor or I can be an employee, but there's, I just wrote down quickly to make sure I remembered them. One, two, three, four, five, just off the top of my head, I had written five different kinds of, we'll call them employment, income generating relationships that you can have with somebody. Um, I'll go into detail on the ones you asked actually, because I think those are the most common ones. But on top of that, you also have your straight rental. So you could just go in, pay a flat rate, rent a room, and you're doing everything yourself. So in a scenario like that, it's probably the biggest risk to you as the therapist, because whether you get business or not, you have to pay that rental, but you also have the potential to have the highest reward. So there's more details in that, but you have just a straight rental agreement. Um, you can also end up as an employee under a salary. So no matter what you do, you have a set wage that comes to you. You can also be an employee with an hourly rate, which I don't No, There's a couple clinics off the top of my head in Winnipeg that do offer that. Um, but the ones that are most common are your subcontractor or private contractor on a percentage split or your employee on a commission, which is a percentage split. Um, they're different and they're the same. So a percentage split in either way means therapist gets 1%, whatever percent you agree upon of the income from each client and the clinic gets the other percent. So let's say um, in a 60-40 split, the clinic might take 60, the therapist might take 40. Make sure that they clarify which is which because there is no standard. If I say 60-40, you don't know if I mean the clinic is keeping 60 or if the clinic is keeping 40. So make sure you clarify that. So to go into detail a little bit, a contractor, so private contractor, subcontractor, in this case, they're the same. You set your own hours. You pay all of your own income tax. You are taking a higher risk. And what I mean by that is, in theory, you should also have a base rental, meaning whether you bring in business or not, there's a set amount that you should have to pay the clinic. Not all clinics have that in place. That is a whole separate conversation. Um, but what it means is you're having to remit all of your taxes to the CRA. So if we're working on, let's say, a 40-60 split, the contractor will get the 40, we'll say the clinic takes the 60. At the end of the year, you're gonna have to give, what is it, like 30% or something for your CPP, your EI, and your income tax that you're gonna have to remit. If you were an employee, the clinic would keep that. So now as an employee, the clinic is going to tell you usually when you're gonna work, because now the clinic is, theoretically taking up a higher risk. So they're gonna tell you they have more to lose. So they're gonna tell you, this is when you're gonna work. 
a lot of the time they're going to dictate how you work. So they'll tell you if you have to see multiple people at once, how long your appointments are going to be. And then they're going to take a higher percentage split because the clinic is now remitting your CPP and your EI and your income tax yeah, for you. We have both in my clinic. We have private contractors and we have uh, commission split employees and I have a salaried employee. So we have, we have all three agreements, but in essence, a contractor will get a higher percentage split because they're paying out themselves, but they take a higher risk. So your risk reward, you have higher risk, but you have a chance to work for a higher reward as a contractor. As an employee, you have a lower risk because the clinic essentially takes you under their wing and tells you how to work and when to work and dictates a little bit more and kind of pushes you along more, but you're going to get less upfront. Neither of them is better. It depends. It depends on what you're looking for and what you want. There's, there's a lot to unpack in that. Actually, I hope it kind of, I hope that kind of answered your question. There's, I can go into like huge detail on both of them, but it's a risk versus reward. One, you get your money up front. One, you get your money in the back. Sort of <laughs> one, <laughs> can we cut that? Anyway, <laughs> that came across as wrong. You know what I mean. One of them, you might get vacation pay. One of them, you might not. So the contractor, you're going to have less perks but you're getting paid more because you have less perks. Really at the end of the day, it's who's controlling the money. If you're a contractor, you have more control over your money. If you're an employer, if you're an employee, your employer has more control over your money. It all depends on what you're comfortable with. If you're bad with money, an employee agreement is probably more what you're looking for, potentially, or a financial advisor. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's great, Nikki. Thank you so much for that. Um, and I know you talk more about this in, in more detail in your course. Um, so if anybody's interested in that, remember to reach out to Nikki. Uh, we're, we're just coming about up to about 20 minutes and uh, we're trying to keep this short. I know you said this next question was really quick, so we'll get through that one uh, and then we'll probably call it a day and maybe we'll have to have you back on for another podcast because I think this is just so important and there's so much information that that you have to share and I think that's great. Um, so the next question I have for you is, can you go over the different types of clinic environments and what they look like? Yes, of course. So when you're creeping on your clinics, before you wanna go through the work to apply, you want it to be the space that you can call home for a certain chunk of the time. So, the so, so if you don't like cupping, you probably shouldn't apply at a clinic that offers a lot of cupping. Mm, <laughs> mm, it depends on how passionate that clinic is about cupping. <laughs> basically, you have to jive, right? It's a, it's about that relationship. You want to basically you are building a relationship every mm -hmm. time somebody applies to our clinic. I'm interviewing them. I actually interview more for personality and drive than I do skill because if the drive and personality is there, the skill will come, but it has to be the right fit. So you have clinics that are different. It depends on what you want and the type of population you want to work with. So if you like working with a very active population and you want to do more gym based rehabs, um, a gym based rehab approach, you're probably going to want to apply at a gym or a clinic that has a gym 
for it has at least more exercise equipment for their rehab and for their clientele. You may want to apply at a clinic that's attached to a gym. There are gym uh, clinics attached to CrossFit gyms as well. Or maybe you want a clinic with, like our clinic has minimal equipment. The idea is if you can exercise in our living room, you can exercise in yours. But if you're somebody who really wants to um, do rehab with a squat rack, our clinic might not be the clinic for you if that's something that you're really passionate about. Maybe you want to be in a multidisciplinary clinic. Maybe you only want to be in a clinic with athletic therapists. Maybe you want to work with a chiro. Maybe you want an acupuncturist. Do you want your clinic to be more quiet and zen? Or are you okay with the athletic therapy style clinic where it's open concept and we're all yelling at each other all the time? Or do you want a clinic that has some private treatment room options? Do you really enjoy using ultrasound or different electric modalities? We have one, only one in our clinic. So if I have a whole bunch of therapists that all want to use ultrasound at the same time, it's not going to work out. So all of our therapists are not, we have to dust our machine off when we use it. So if you're really heavy into modalities, find a clinic that's heavy into modalities. So just what kind of environment do you want to be in? Do you care about natural sunlight? when you're there day in and day out. How does the clinic feel? Is it clean? When you're around there, you can be a patient, go in and book an appointment if it's somewhere you're serious about and get a treatment and see if you like the small talk that goes back and forth or is it just really weird? So you want it just to be the right right fit for you as a person because you're gonna be spending time there. Yeah, and it can be different for everybody, right? Like what what I might totally enjoy different. in a clinic would be different from what you might enjoy in a clinic. Mm-hmm. Awesome, thank yeah, you for there's, that. There's no, there's no right or wrong. It's just finding the fit for you. And I've actually told people in interviews, I don't think we're the right fit for you. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because I want them to flourish. We're just not the clinic that they're going to flourish at. And I've actually refer them to other clinics that I think that would be a better fit for them. Good. Good. All right. Well, thank you so much for that, Nikki. We're going to close out now, but before we do so, can you just share um, some quick, like a quick snippet on what your business course is about, who it's for, and how people can reach you, uh, email, social media, etc. Mm. How to reach us? Email, social media, our website, you can even call or text our phone number. Super easy to get a hold of us. Um, and that's revolutionrehab.ca. Yeah, revolutionrehab.ca. And all of our contact information is on that website. Super easy. Um, the course, we're offering two of them. They're both in May. It's on our booking site. We can, I don't know if we can link it or it'll be on my website as well, on the clinic website. But the course goes into contracts a little bit on how to negotiate contract i use our contract so it is only in person we don't do it online um, because we actually look at our contract in person we talk about things to look for non-competition clause non-disclosure agreement what do all these things mean what's your ideal percentage split there is no ideal percentage split the more the clinic does for you the more they have to take that's just the way it goes so we talk about that but what is a reasonable percentage split what to look out for because some clinics sometimes what they're offering is too good to be true so what what to look out for for those red flags i talk about employee versus contractor but i go into 
detail, and I swear I do a better job of explaining it than I did here. We talk about resume writing, cover letters, and then even when and where to look for work. So do you wait until you're certified? Do you wait till you graduate? Do you like when is there an opportune time for me to go? And do I wait for job postings or how can I try to create that niche for myself and get my name out there? Because we're the underdogs. So it's you're you're pushing and a lot of the time somebody never is somebody I'm sorry, never is somebody gonna say, here's a full client load, you have full time work. It, it Ashley, you know, <laughs> it's not yeah. like that. Oh, that's unfortunate. But <laughs> so yeah, we go into all of that. It's a two hour workshop. We set aside an extra half hour at the end. So it's two and a half all together. And the last half hour is just a question and answer. And I give people a chance to talk and uh, comment and ask questions. It's just trying to get some knowledge out there. And I started doing it because when I first opened the business, when I was interviewing therapists, asking them, what kind of working relationship are you looking for? They didn't know what I was talking about. They didn't know contractor versus employee. Uh, am I supplying supplies for them? What's happening? What do they? What are they responsible for? What am I responsible for? So I think that that was, it was important to get that knowledge out there and try to share that so that ATs being released out into the wild have a greater understanding of what they're looking for and then they can negotiate for the benefit of the profession. I love that. I love that uh, being released into the wild. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so That's much for, like. <laughs> for, uh, for creating that. I think there's such a need for that. We don't um, understand enough of the business side of athletic therapy when we're going through school. So it's, it's great that you offer that. All right. So I'm just going to try my best to recap everything you just said there. Um, and so today we talked about resumes. We want to keep the resume short. We want to uh, highlight experiences in and out of athletic therapy, the things that are especially um, applicable to the clinic that you're applying. So with that, Make sure you're creeping on your social medias for the clinics you're looking and and that's, you know, Instagram, Facebook, uh, websites, but also be prepared to get creeped right back. And then um, cover letters. It's your it's your handshake. It's your first impression. So highlight what makes you special. Why should you be the person chosen out of all of the different applicants with the same education to work in that clinic? So what makes you stand out? And then we went into, you discussed five different kinds of um, relationships, working relationships, the most common ones being the um, salary or hourly rate, which you're essentially an employee. And, you know, the highlights of this is um, you have less risk on yourself, but that also means that the income split is going to be lower as, as um, like in, it'll be in the clinic's favor. Um, the clinic also gets to dictate a little bit more about what, uh, how you work, the times that you work versus a private contractor where you might have a higher income split. That's going to be dependent on all of the things that the clinic offers you. But um, you also get to choose your own hours the possible downside of this is that you're uh, at a higher risk. So 
you have, um, as a contractor, there's a higher risk for you and, and potentially a higher risk for the clinic. The clinic has to, uh, you know, if you're not bringing in money, then the clinic's not getting money. And so some clinics offer a, uh, or have a base rate, base rental in their contract. And, um, you know, if you're not working, you don't get paid. And you have to pay your own taxes, which that's a whole other, you know, get an accountant on, in my opinion, get an accountant if you're an athletic therapist, it's totally worth it. Uh, and then the other one that's pretty common and you, you kind of just highlighted a little bit was the straight rental. Um, it's the biggest risk, but potentially that highest, um, highest earning income in, in the long term, potentially. And then we talked a little bit about um, the type of environment that you may want to work in. And so again, doing your research, looking on social media, looking into the person, maybe book an appointment, see if you jive. But also, is it the type of clinic and environment that you want to be in? Is it the type of place you want to be? Um, do you want to work with active clients in a gym space? Or do you want you know, more of that minimal equipment? Are you more modality based? Are you more hands-on based? Uh, what's the energy in the clinic? Is that very loud and talkative and lots of things going on? Or do you want that more zen, private room type space? Um, really figuring out what you want in a space before before applying is super important, um, especially if you want something to, to work out on, on your end. And your when you go for an interview that's probably what what the interviewee is or interviewer is going to look at is are you going to be the type of person that works in this environment so uh did i miss anything on my recap nikki i think the only thing was when you spoke about the most common types of splits and agreements in the clinic i think you said salaried split that was all instead of just a commission-based split okay employee commission-based split there we go thank I you i didn't want to interrupt you no, for sure <laughs> Thank you for correcting yeah. that. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for listening today. If you have questions, um, I will link some of these uh, links into the show notes. So Nikki's clinic and the course, I will link it in the show notes. You can also, uh, if you're listening from the Apple podcast, you can go to the podcast website and there'll be just kind of recap, a recap in there. Um, and also a question box. So you can write in if there's any questions that you have um, that will get emailed to me. And then maybe we'll have Nikki on again and answer some of those questions. All right, thank you so much. Bye for now. Bye.